Welcome to the Creators on Comics podcast. This podcast is a conversation between two creators, dissecting the craft and technique that goes into creating comics. This episode features two up-and-coming writers in the indie comics scene, Anas Abdulhaq and AJ Malakarni. Anas is the writer of Eleutheromania, and AJ is the writer of Psychedelic. I asked the two of them to come together and discuss how and why they made these comics, and what comics they have coming up on the horizon. Hello, my name is Anas Abdulhaq, and I am a writer and artist from Damascus, Syria. And I am the creator and writer of Eleutheromania, which is my debut comic book. Eleutheromania is a one-shot of abstract imagery told through poetry, and it tells the story about liberty and the struggles that come with it and the struggles of attaining and living with everything that we've achieved. And today, I will be having a conversation with AJ Malakarni about their comic book. Hi, I'm AJ Malakarni, and my book is Psychedelic. Psychedelic is a story of two spirits trapped in a necklace who are stolen by a drug dealer. The drug dealer has no idea that he now is in possession of two spirits um, until he's possessed by them when he takes drugs because it unlocks his mind to be taken over. And the spirits end up arguing, trying to figure out what they're going to do because they've been locked away for a couple thousand years. And now that they've awoken in the modern world, they have to figure out, are they going to be heroes or are they just going to seek out this brand new world they've awoken into? So Anas, I really liked your story a lot. I thought it was super cool how one of the big themes that you really touch on, um, especially in the epilogue of your story, uh, is about overcoming the fear that arises when we have a positive change in our life, but we leave a bad place or a bad situation that we've known. I was curious, why is this something you wanted to uh, address in your story? So Eleutheromania as an idea really originated from my background, um, living in Syria and having to experience the war there. And while I was like striving and yearning to leave for so many years after actually having left, I was overcome with fear because I had left something that was completely familiar to me, no matter how bad it was, you know, like a literal war zone. But even though I was in a safer environment, I still couldn't function properly because I don't I don't know anything around me. And it was all very new and scary. So this idea of of the fear that comes with it, that, you know, after you want something so hard for so long and then you finally achieve it and then you're completely in the dark. That's what inspired Lithuania. And I really wanted to touch upon that because while my experience is very particular to me and several others, I would say the feeling that I experience is very general and very, you know, I think a lot of people can can relate to that. Whether you're leaving a bad environment or a bad household or an abusive relationship or any sort of thing, a bad job, navigating your way in the dark through a new whole new world is is terrifying. And I really wanted to portray that and tell the story about that. I read Psychedelic like a couple of times and I have to say I really enjoyed it and I really wanted to like talk to you about the inspiration behind having two different spirits kind of like in a struggle for power inside the necklace and how that came about what was the inspiration behind that so the original pitch for psychedelic I a couple like uh, almost a year and a half ago um I wanted to get into comics so what I did was I wrote a whole google doc and just was throwing pitches at the wall trying to see what would stick. And it was just basically like one sentence things. And the original pitch for Psychedelic was 
this guy goes through a thrift store and finds a necklace that gives him like trippy magic powers because i love like jack kirby dr strange art and a lot of the trippy art that came out like the 60s and stuff so i wanted to do something that would be able to visually show that and it kind of just got built up from there um later on i wanted to make it um more personal to myself i've struggled with not not the same behaviors that the main character harper struggles with with drugs but i've struggled with like addictive behaviors in my life and i really wanted to have that be the personal heart of the story and then the spirits came in later when i wanted to have a character that could like bounce off each other and i thought it'd be best to have the um i like the idea of like firestorm uh who has the two voices in his head and then same with dr fate who has to argue with the spirits in control. So I thought it was really interesting to have that dynamic. And I just decided on the two spirits so that they could almost have both a comedic back and forth, but also have a back and forth about what their goals are in life. I love that. So I really liked in your story, I was, um, when what you were just saying about escaping bad situations, I really connected with the first part of your story the first act where um someone is like pulling a big ball on a chain and then they kind of don't know what to do when they're freed um I know that is a thing that a lot of people struggle with and you feel like you want to go back and I really love that idea that you play with and you kind of build it up throughout both acts and then in the epilogue I really liked how you also addressed imposter syndrome and you're like right up at the end how do you how do you battle that issue especially as that's something that so many of us comic creators struggle with god imposter syndrome is such a struggle for me honestly and i think a lot of people as creators do experience that and i still for a lot of times you know i, I struggle with trying to overcome that and make sure that you know I'm, I'm really being authentic to myself and not trying to emulate others that came before me and trying to tell their stories through my my version of them or my how i would tell them and I think a big part that helps helps me overcome that is being true to who I am and what I love about comics and, well, storytelling in general. And so I just try to tell something that is completely uniquely to me and to my experience, which is, you know, I guess apparent in a Lutheromania. And inspiration is going to come, of course. You're going to be inspired by other people and other creators, and you're going to want to emulate their works and pay tribute or homage to them. But I think it's really important to tell your story and make it personal and make it about you. Because I know they say, say, write what you know, which is not always, you know, the case. But I feel like in in what I've I've experienced, I feel like it's been accurate to me. It's like I'm able to write better when I connect to those emotions or those feelings that I'm trying to portray. I really wanted to ask you, since we're, we're, we've both written, let's say, short stories and comic books are like a serialized medium, and most of the comic book stories are long-running forms. Uh, how did you manage to tell a complete coherent story in 16 pages? And what advice would you give to maybe somebody who is looking to write shorter format stories? So that was really hard for me because I love the idea of like a connected universe and just these expansive stories. So for what I did was I treated it as a story that could stand on its own but if I wanted to, I could later connect it to other things. And for the best thing I did 
was I broke down what is this individual character arc that we're seeing. So for example, there's even though there's technically three main characters in Psychedelic, there's Harper, um, the drug dealer, there's Hal, the first spirit, and then there's Kay, the second spirit. I treated Hal as my main character um, out of the three, even though Harper is the one being possessed, he's kind of unaware of this going on um, until later in the book. But I wanted to treat Hal as my main character and really chart what his character growth was. And I think the best thing for doing a short, if you want to keep it, I'm, 16 pages is already fairly long for a short. I know um, if I was to redo it, I would maybe do something shorter, um, maybe not even psychedelic, just because costs and art costs and everything. But I think that if you really want to get into making a short, you want to tell a story that you can still get a beginning, middle, and end, but be able to keep it short and succinct. What I had to do a lot was go, is this scene necessary? Is this page or even just a panel? If you can go through your script and go, oh, this panel's good, but it doesn't really help with the story, then you want to start cutting stuff out. I know um, I had multiple uh, writer friends uh, looking over uh, my script and cutting things out. When I, the first script I actually wrote for a comic was an anthology pitch that didn't get accepted, I think two years ago. And that one, I actually got looked over by uh, an editor and to get like cut down. And it's so helpful, I think, um, even if you're just doing like a one to five page short, get someone else to look over it and make sure that they can still see the character journey, but you don't have too much fluff in there. Very good take. I actually struggle with writing shorter stories. I like, I'm always seeing anthologies pop up and I'm like, I would love to submit to that, but they're asking for like two to four pages. There's there's no freaking way I'll be able to tell a complete story in two to four pages, especially because I love doing like introspective character studies. There's no way I can do that in, in that small amount of pages. But so thank you for sharing your insight. It's so, it's so difficult. I love anthologies and I think they're amazing for beginning writers and writers who want to get more work out there and get your name known. But it's so hard to be like, to want to tell a shorter story that you can just fit into like two to four pages. I have, I have an insane amount of Google Docs of just open ideas uh, for shorts that I want to work my way through. But it's so hard to bounce between wanting to tell like a magnum opus, wanting to tell this like grand story that is like the big idea like that you're going to pour all your heart into but also being able to realistically do it as a beginner is so hard. And that's why I, I think shorts are great for beginners. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, another point I wanted to get to, I really love the art style in your book. It's so unique. I also am really interested in the black and white nature of your book. So I was curious, what did you want in the art style for this book? And how did you find the artists who supplied uh, their work for this? So I like as anybody where we all have different tastes and I really have a thing for like harsh lines, grunge textures, like really rough, you know, pages. And so that was something that I was really looking for in act one. And originally I was looking for an artist that could do really heavy inks to really sell the visual element of like the pain and the, and the struggle. And I was thinking maybe I'll do something like, I was looking for someone who can do the, the style of like maybe Michael Gatos who did the, 
Brian Michael Bendis alias run, which is one of my favorite comics. And he has such a unique like style. It's very dark and lots of dark shadows and inks. Um, but if, eventually I met, I met a friend of mine, Anton Mozhigov, who did act one. And we really connected on a creative level. And I, I, I had never seen him do any sequential pages. He had never done sequential pages. He was just an illustrator that did like some, you know, some different uh, illustrations, but never really dipped his toes into comic books. But I loved his work so much. And I loved his, like the way his brain worked so much that I just wanted to work with him. And I was like, do you want to do this? And I sent him over the pages and he, he really loved them. And so we decided to work on that together. Um, as for act two, I really wanted to have a contrast between the two art styles because they are two different stories that revolve around the same theme. And I seeked out an artist over on a Facebook group called Connecting Comic Book Writers and Artists. Um, I was just scrolling. I ha like on that, on my, I don't usually use Facebook, but on that group, I probably have like hundreds of creators saved so I can like bookmark them and talk to them later if I, <laughs> it comes down to it. Um, but I found this Italian artist who was extremely talented. His name is Mattia Monaco, and he had done an Aftershock miniseries. And I was like, okay, that's a, you know, a pro, he's a published artist. He's probably like a mid pro level tier. So I might, I might not be able to afford him. And I got in contact with him and he also loved the story so much and he really connected with it. And he's always wanted to do something like space and space themed. Um, so he like really wanted to work on it. And he actually lowered his rates for me because it was a short, uh, which I thought was really sweet. And his style is also very like um, electric. It's very vibrant. And the choice for going black and white for the first act was because I really wanted to portray that the struggle, the pain, and just push the narrative forward. And I wanted to add a little bit of color as the second story progresses because it is a more of a, a happier ending, I would say. Uh, if you look at the two acts, although they both share this, the same theme of breaking free from the chains and struggling to adapt, in act one, the character decides to go back to what is familiar to them, which is the boulder that they were dragging along. But in act two, the character, the, the scars from the chains that the, the, the chains leave on the character, they embrace them. And so they, the scars that glow in a red light, they grow brighter and brighter until they're all consuming. And that's because the character has chosen to embrace their pain and embrace where they came from and move forward with that. And so they start shining again in a different light. And that was a, you know, kind of a story of, of moving forward and accepting where you come from. So that's why I chose to do, have two different art styles and two completely distinct color schemes as well. I really, I really like the, uh, the color scheme at the end of, uh, or in the second act, just because the message you were just saying with the chains, I really think it's so applicable to so many different situations. And that's one of the things I really think your story hits really well on is that you keep it very vague to such a level that anyone could probably apply it to their personal story. That's something that I really intended to do. And like part of the reason why I chose Luthromania to be my, my first comic book is because it is such a personal story and a very unique thing that I think, you know, someone only who with that experience can tell. I wanted to make that my first. I mean, I thought like it would be easier for me to write something a bit more I, I'm trying to find the right word here, a bit more, you know, pleasing to a, a larger audience, I would say. Um, but I, again, I felt like that wouldn't really reflect who I am as a writer. And my follow-up stories are all the comics that I'm working on are also in the same realm of like this weird mix between poetry and prose and sequential pages. So I really wanted to like 
make a statement with who I am as a creator. And that's how, you know, Lutheranian ended up being the first project that I created. How do you think Psychedelic speaks to who you are as AJ, the creator, the comic book writer? And how does it, you know, set you apart from other folks who are making their indie comics out there? So I think Psychedelic really speaks to one of my favorite writers that I, I try not to like ape off of them or like mimic their style. But one of my favorite comic book writers um, as of right now is Donny Cates. And one thing I love about a lot of his work is that it has like this like bombastic, like action and crazy colors and fight scenes, but he also has a lot of heart in his stories. And combine that with, I also love Gerard Way who does a lot of like trippy ideas um, and just far-fetched scenarios. And it's very like surrealistic, but I love how they both have a lot of heart in their stories, but also um, these crazy vast worlds. And that's something I really wanted to apply to uh, Psychedelic was um, having a story that people would love the artwork, which is done by um, an amazing artist, Damon Hampton, um, who I was blown away. Like right after I worked with him, um, he got selected to go do the Milestone Initiative at DC, which was absolutely amazing for Wow. Him which I can believe that I was like, I got to work with an artist that's now going to do like stuff at DC. I, I couldn't believe it. Cause especially cause it was my first project, which was absolutely insane. But um, Damon was about, was able to bring like these amazing colors to the project that absolutely blew me away. I couldn't, that's one of the things I really wanted with this project was trippiness. I really wanted that to be something that people could associate with this project and then associate with me is just how strange the character's costume is um, and how bright everything is. I That's one thing I love about comics um, is that how they both reflect the real world, but also are different. Like if you saw uh, like a realistic superhero, like say for example, like Spider-Man was made in a real world, I doubt you would see them wearing like the bright red and blue tights that they were in the movies. So that's one thing I wanted to bring to my comics was that sense of like, oh, this this could never happen in the real world and just something almost magical. Uh, when I found comics as a kid, I was in the middle of um, a big brain surgery I had as a kid. And my grandpa actually bought me one of the Sonic Digest comics that they used to sell. and. That was the first comic I ever read. I still have it somewhere in my house, but it means so much to me that you can still bring those like childhood, like craziness and colors of comics, but bring it to a more mature like story. That's one of the things I also wanted to hit on was a story that wasn't able to, or wasn't afraid to like shy away from tougher topics because we do hit on someone who's dealing with drugs in the story and I really, if I had more pages, I would continue on. And I do have plans for a sequel. If it ever does happen, um, I would love to do a sequel to this about the character dealing with, the character of Harper dealing with their drug addiction and really showing the struggles that people with addiction go through and how they can work through it. Because at the end of the story, Harper finds out that he is connected to a spirit but the only way you can access the spirit to help people is to do drugs. And I really want that to be something addressed in the sequel is how, how can he find a positive way 
to access the spirits and help other people while not delving into his self-harming habits. I think that is something that would be so good to touch on. Like such a unique take on a character exploring their superpowers is like they have to, they want to like kick this bad habit that they have, but it's also the only thing connecting them to something larger than themselves. And I think that's that would be something really interesting. And I would love to read that. I mean, I loved reading Psychedelic and I would love to read the follow up. So if you ever make it, please let me know. Well, so another question I had was what was it like for funding for a Luthermanium? Because I know it varies from person to person. I was able to do a Kickstarter for this comic, but what was um, that like for uh, your comic? So as you're aware, uh, Eleutheromania is free and it is like up on my website for free for anyone to read, to read. But I did have a physical like limited run printed and this also available to purchase in like digital copies. But at the same time, I, I didn't feel like I needed, I could ask people to pay for something that is so niche that they didn't know who the creator was behind it. And as I was something creating something that is so unique to me, I thought it would be best to just put it out there for free and like pad my portfolio, so to speak, and introduce people to who I am as a creator. And so for the funding, I, I did not kickstart it. I did not crowdfund it. I paid it all out of pocket, uh, which was, you know, quite the amount. Uh, it's a like 26 page comic book. So it was it was quite hefty for me on my personal budget. I think for follow-up projects, I mean, I know a lot of people follow the format of getting preview pages done, then kickstarting the project, or getting preview pages done and then pitching it to a publisher. And if a publisher wants to pick it up, then they can proceed with the project. That is definitely a, a better way to go about it than I did. But I just, I was really passionate about telling the story. And I feared that maybe if I wasn't able to kickstart it or, you know, Indiegogo it or zoop it, I would, you know, not be able to tell it. So I decided to put that against like, you know, behind me and just go all in. And that's something that I, that's what I did with Eleuthermania. And I'm doing that exact same thing with my follow up right now, which is Etheris. And I'm also working with an artist called Dennis Menhir. And I'm also financing the entire project by myself, which again is quite a, a responsibility to take upon yourself, which is hard, but you know, you got to do what you got to do to uh, get into this industry, I guess. Uh, you mentioned you kickstarted the uh, the three anthology, which featured uh, psychedelic in it. Did you have any pages done beforehand, or did you have the entire project created for the sole purpose of the Kickstarter? So I had four pages created beforehand. Uh, myself, uh, James Duran, and Tom Ravid, who did the um, anthology or the collection together. Um, we each had four pages done beforehand. I believe. Tom's story was already completely done beforehand and me and James were getting ours done after the Kickstarter was funded, but we all had four pages done in advance. So something I wanted to talk about was your inspirations. I know a big inspiration for Eleuthermania was um, the idea of positive change and then leaving other things behind. But where do you get most of your inspiration for your projects from? Is it from other comics, other creators, or something like movies, uh, books, or TV shows? So, I mean, I guess as anybody who reads a lot of comic books, I have a lot of inspirations and a lot of favorite creators that I, I absolutely adore. Um, at the top of my head, I can think of Jeff Lemire, Al Ewing, uh, Brian K. Vaughn, some of my favorites. And I would love to be at a, at a point where I could write and intricate stories and weave storylines as they do. 
Um, but for now, most of my, my, my stuff comes from my love for poetry. And that's what I'm currently like exploring is mixing and bringing poetry into comics. So in, in regards to poetry, what, I, what I've done with Eleutheromania and what I'm doing with other stories as well is the poetry I write is kind of different than modern English poetry. And that is because I'm really inspired by Arabic poetry. And I'm trying to bring that same feeling to the English language. Um, Arabic poetry is known for its rhyme, for its rhythm, for its melody. It's very melodic and it actually can be turned into songs. Like a lot of um, Arabic singers do literally make songs out of poems. Uh, so I really wanted to bring that, that, that same melody and same smoothness of Arabic poetry into the English language. And that's what I tried to create with Eleutheromania. So some of my favorite Arabic poets uh, are Nizar Qabbani, who was a Syrian poet, Mahmoud Darwish, who was a Palestinian poet, uh, and they're both extremely talented people. And while it might be rough to translate and get the same kind of vibe from, from their poetry if it's translated into English, I think it's that what they have to say is really beautiful and I think it's worth exploring. So if anybody wants to get into some Arabic poetry, I would highly recommend those two people. That's really cool. I really like bringing in things that are very personal to you and things that your audience might not know about. That's that's something I love about the comics field, particularly indie comics, is how much so many people bring things that are very personal to them um, that you might not be able to see in like um, one of the big two books or even some of the bigger independent companies. You can really see like projects that are people are passionate about and are very personal to them thrive in indie comics. Absolutely. I think that's what's, what's really beautiful about this community is because we all bring what we have to say and we all bring our culture, our background. And because we're doing independent comics, we really have no limits to what we can create. We don't have authority that tells us to like play in this sandbox or stick to this box so we can really do as we please. Uh, I wanted to ask you, is there a reason why you chose comics as a medium? I mean, you could have gone for a number of any other visual mediums. You could have gone for prose. You could have gone for movies or short films. Was there a particular reason why you chose comic books? So comic books have always been one of my first loves for media. When I was little, I wasn't a big fan of reading, but then I got introduced to comic books and I have deep memories of going to comic book stores. The first ones I actually went to were with um, my grandpa back when I was little. I actually, after he passed, found a bunch of comic books that he had been buying at comic book stores and he left behind uh, for me, which was really cool. But then later on, as I entered into like middle school and stuff, I really got into reading like traditional uh, prose and I actually started doing a lot of writing for prose and really thought at one point that's what I was going to be doing until I got in high school, got introduced to, there was a technical school in my county that has like trades, like plumbing, electrical, but they also had a movie and television program. And I was able to go there and learn more about that. And for a long time, that's what I wanted to do was work in movies, be like a director or something like that. But during my first year of college, I found that editing, editing is one of the hardest things I feel for anyone that has to edit audio or video. It's one of the hardest things to do. And I just found that I liked the writing side much more. So now I'm currently, I went to, I transferred schools and I'm at a different school now uh, for just writing 
for any medium. So um, movies, comics, TV shows, that's what I'm focusing on. But with comics, I felt like it would be the easier path than making like a movie. And I just love the visual art of comics. I think there's so much you can do with comics that you can't always do with like live action movies and animation is so expensive that as someone who's a beginner and still in college with how much it costs nowadays, um, I think focusing on comics was a good way to be able to tell a story in a format I wanted to, but not spend my entire savings on something. I completely hear that. I also actually have a very similar background. I went to, uh, I studied film and television in college. So I do feel that I have experience in creating stories through different visual mediums. And while short films are a viable way, I guess, of telling a story, comics do offer a lot of freedom in the fantastical realm. Well, you can do literally anything with no limits because it's just art. Um, and having the budget to create a film of that caliber would be way more expensive than creating a comic book. So yes, I, I definitely hear you on that. Yeah, I remember when I was um, in high school, the, we had to write a script for a project and I thought we were just writing a script to write a script. Um, I didn't realize this was later gonna turn into something we actually had to film. And so I write this whole project that's basically like, like Teen Titans inspired. And I wrote this whole thing out and then I give it to my teacher and she comes back to me a few days later and is like, this is really good but you can't film this. You have like crazy multi-million dollar level special effects. Um, so that was a big lesson in like being able to learn your limits. And I think that's also important in, in comics is like learning. And I think it especially helps if you have a, a background, at least somewhat in an artistic field. And I'm really at the school I'm learning at, I'm at having to take artistic classes. I know nothing about drawing or painting i i'm very not good at it but learning about how to do those kind of things gives me a deeper appreciation for the artists i work with and how to make their job a lot easier absolutely so i wanted to ask you um you had mentioned about some upcoming projects and even the back of a luther mania you had uh, mentioned that there was an upcoming project can you tell us about that yeah sure uh so as I mentioned before, I'm I'm still exploring introducing poetry and incorporating poetry into comics. So my upcoming uh, one shot it's called Etheris, and it also plays around with that same realm. But this time I'm introducing a little bit of prose narration as well. So it's not completely poetry like Eleutheromania was. Etheris is a story about a woman who was recently deceased, and she's navigating her way in a realm where people go where they when they don't belong anywhere else, when they don't belong in you know the underworld or in heaven or so whatever whatever you call it, they end up in this realm called Etheris, and so she's navigating through this realm, trying to understand and reconcile why she's there and why she feels like she deserves to be there, and why also uh, reminiscing about her life and her past and you know, seeing this fantastical world around her that is this beautiful realm that is be currently being drawn by Dennis Menhir, who is an incredible up-and-coming talent, and I think everyone will be blown away by his art when it comes out. And it's being edited by Michelle Abinader, who was the editor and co-creator of the Color of Always anthology, uh, which was a big hit on Kickstarter. I have connected with these two creators, and, you know, I I fell in love with their works, and I, I had this idea for Etheris written out since... I think 2018, and it's I've always wanted to bring it to life as a comic book. 
So I it just it just clicked creatively, and yeah, we're we're deep in production right now. I'm hoping to put it out in the next couple of months, hopefully, if all works out. And I, then I have a lot more that I'm also cooking up, which is you know very exciting but very expensive. <laughs> I think that's such a cool um, idea, and I was curious what made you want to explore the idea of after death in uh, Atheris. Uh, well, I actually. I started writing the poems that I incorporated into Etheris shortly after the passing of my father. It was kind of a, a way for me to process that pain. And I find it very easy to just project my pain and my feelings onto fictional characters. <laughs> so my poor characters, I always get put through the ringer just because I don't want to deal with my stuff. Um, and that's basically how Etheris was born. I just was trying to make peace with the, with the loss of my father. Uh, who I had a very tumultuous relationship with and I put it into words that turned into poetry and eventually I built a whole story around it which turned into Etheris. I, I really wanted to talk to you uh, about what your hopes are as a creator. I mean we all I guess have an end game that we would like to reach at some point as creators. Um, is there a certain milestone or an achievement that you would like to accomplish in order to feel like you've really you know, you've done what you're aiming to do or what you're setting out to do with comics? I, I have a few, but um, I know everyone has different lines of like what their gauging of success is. I think one of mine would, um, it's changed over the past couple of years. Um, I, I think I'll always have a goal of writing for either Marvel or DC. Those have been the comics I've read for the longest time. I'm greatly enjoying indie comics a, a lot more now. But I think it'll always be a goal to write one of my favorite characters from Marvel or DC. And I, I'd love to write, especially now that they're doing so much more with like books for queer characters for Marvel and DC. I think I would love to um, do something with that, especially as I've been discovering my own identity in the past year. Um, I would really love to be able to do something with characters who are going through that same journey. I think it's it was interesting when um, DC last year put out, I believe it was Batman Urban Legends and they put out a story about Tim Drake. They haven't confirmed his sexuality yet, um, if he's gay or bisexual, but that was a big deal for me um, when that happened because Tim Drake's been my favorite Robin for years. And he has always been one of my career goals of writing him or the teams he's been on, be it Young Justice or Teen Titans. But now that he is part of the queer community, I would love to be able to do a project for DC at, uh, with him in that realm. That's definitely one of my big goals. That's awesome. I, I really hope you get to do that. And I think, you know, as you mentioned, the measure of success, there really is no no number for it. I mean, as we're, we, as we're promoting our works on social media, unfortunately, we can all fall into this pit of comparing ourselves to others because it is a numbers game on social media. So you're always looking at to at who has more followers or who gets more retweets or who whose website gets more views or whose tapas or canvas gets more likes. So I think it's very important to try to just like separate those things and just try to focus more on the art. But I, I completely understand how someone can be able to compare those like can't they can't help but compare themselves to others and I, I know I personally do that a lot and I'm trying to work on that but you know as you said there is a gauge to success and that is I guess writing for the big three which is you know Marvel Image or DC um, 
but yeah, I, I really hope you'll be, you'll be able to accomplish those goals and be able to write for Tim Drake. Thank you so much. And now I'm going to flip the question back on you. What is one of um, your career goals in comics? Gosh, I, as, as you said, I have so many milestones that I would like to accomplish. I think why, why, I'm mainly, why I mainly write is because I want to make a difference and a positive change, I guess. And I've always had this existential fear of my life not amounting to anything. So I'm always scared that I'm just going to, you know, pass through this world and then I'm gone and not have made an impact or made a footprint. And I know that's, you know, a really wrong idea because we make an impact and on everybody what we meet and all of our friends and family. But I really wanted more to, more than that. And that's initially why I started writing and really like working on my craft was because I wanted to write stories that would last. And I wanted it to be like, if even if they're not famous, even if they're not popular, even if I'm not rich, as long as a single person will have someday maybe picked up a story that I created or wrote and was inf impacted by it in a, on a positive way, then that's enough for me. And I, I feel like I've already accomplished that with Eleutheromania because so many people have reached out to me and told me how they really connected with it and how they, it really resonated with them. And so that really makes me feel fulfilled. And so now I'm just looking towards creating more and telling more of my story and the things that I'm passionate about. I really, really love that. I think that's something I've definitely experienced. I think so many creative people have experienced that it's it's definitely a common theme of will we be remembered? And I think it's it's so scary to be like, will will I? And I've struggled with that myself and felt that will my life be remembered after I pass? And I think it's really amazing to hear someone just go, it doesn't matter to me as long as at least one person is can say they liked what I created. Absolutely. And I, I, I mean, I think all of us as creators are trying to just tell our stories and tell and deliver what we our messages and what we have to say. And we all have very unique perspectives into life. And I think in a way, we're all really like, we all want that. We all just want to be heard. You know, we all want to form a sense of community with the people around us who appreciate the medium as much as we do. And we just want to be part of this community and, and tell our stories. Absolutely. That's why I love indie comics so much is that there's so many places for people to hear people's stories. And it's even stories that you might not be able to hear anywhere else. And I think that's the internet for all its flaws, I think has been an amazing thing for all forms of media and being able to bring out more people's stories to the forefront for more people to read. Absolutely. I want to get a little bit technical with you, if mm -hmm. I may. Uh, recently, this, I don't know if you're familiar, but this standard comic script came out, uh, which caused, caused quite a fuss in the indie community by some people who thought it was a bit too technical and a bit too um, screenplay-ish. Um, so I wanted to ask you, how do you go about crafting your scripts and how do they differ when you're creating a comic book script as opposed to other forms of media that you've written for? So I, I saw the discourse. Uh, I thought it was interesting um, that so many people were jumping on um, something that was meant to help people. But I definitely think I definitely see both sides of being people being like being worried that this might not work. And what I tend to do for comic scripts, as I have a background writing film scripts, that's how I initially was writing things. And 
what I did was I looked over a lot of professionals who had their scripts online and were looking at the way they were writing things. But what really, really solidified how I write scripts is I remember seeing a writer on Twitter, I don't remember who it was, saying, always ask your artist what kind of script they like. And so what I'll do is I will write like almost a script, but it's more like an outline for each page of the script. And then I will go and ask the artist, and this is usually when I'm still artist hunting, and I'll ask them like, what kind of script do you prefer? So that when I start to narrow it down to which artist I'm going to end up working with, I can have a script that's ready to go for them that will work for their style. So if they want it more like vague, because I know some artists are on very different sides of the spectrum. Some artists prefer like the classic Marvel style scripts where it's just like two or three sentences about what you want to happen on the page. And then the artist lays almost everything out. And then some people are on the opposite side of the spectrum and they want it broken down very, very systematically. Each panel, each description, like colors, design, everything. So I, I tend to ask my artists what they prefer and see how, what works for them. I think early on stuff like process images for like character designs or like some of the world building stuff for like uh, different communities in the settings, I tend to, and I might change this in the future depending on uh, what artists want, but I know I'm very organized on my projects in that I have very detailed character descriptions for early on the process when they're designing the characters, just because when I'm creating a character, I usually have a very specific image in mind, but I want to be more collaborative. So in the future, I'll probably talk more with my artists and try to bang out character designs with them rather than just handing over um, a design to them. Absolutely. Um, I think it's, there's very like a delicate balance in, you know, writing, writing comics the Marvel way or writing comics the indie way. Uh, and it depends really on the artist. And I feel like this the standard comic script that came out, the format was very controversial because of the use of the word standard, because it really just like sets the tone. Um, but I think for the uninitiated, something like that would be really helpful to just get a, a general feel for how to craft. And they did mention in the website that it is customizable to any and everyone that wants to, to use it. So for me personally, what I like to do is I, I always use my, you know, my background in making films and writing scripts to in, into writing panels. And so I frame the shots and I frame each panel and how I like it to be portrayed in a cinematic way. But then I also offer a lot of freedom for the artist. So I'm always like, if you feel like visually or artistically, you want to deviate from what I have written, you are more than welcome to go ahead and do that because it is also your book. It is also your vision. And I trust you on that. That's why I'm working with you in the first place. And working with, with Dennis Men here on Etheris has been such a joy because we see eye to eye a lot on, on things. And like, we will just have conversations that go on for you know hours just talking about how we want to tell the story in the best way possible. And I think we really connect on that and we're like spitballing back and forth and really it's a collaborative effort. And I really love that rather than just handing someone a script like with very detailed information being like, make it like, this is my vision. So again, it, it definitely differs artist to artist. Yeah. And I think especially in the past couple of years, it's, there's definitely been more resources for beginners um, to kind of understand 
what needs to be in a script. And that's, I, I think the indie comics community has been great about it. I mean, except when there's discourse about it, but I think some creators have been very helpful. I've actually had some creators look over early scripts for ideas and help me actually figure out what I was doing wrong in scripts. Uh, I think Jordan actually looked over one of my scripts once a couple uh, months back. And that really helped me because honestly, I, I wasn't sure what I was doing. Um, I was trying to orient it the best I could based off examples, but help from other creators, I think is the best part of the indie comics community in that creators are so willing to help other creators along because I think too many people in certain industries, especially creative ones, will sometimes treat people as competitors, even though really we're not, we're all just working uh, towards the same goal. And I think helping each other is only gonna help the community grow. And the standard comic script was coming from a place of just wanting to help new creators rather than like, I don't think they foresaw the discourse. Um, I think they just thought, oh, you'll be able to help so many people. And I think now they probably have a lot of feedback that they can go through and just rework some of the things they were doing. Absolutely, I agree completely. So what has been, kind of along with that, what has been some of the best resources for you as a creator getting started in comics? So you mentioned earlier that you read a lot of scripts written by other creators, and I have definitely done that. And I, I remember reading a lot of Matt Fraction scripts, and I absolutely loved his writing style because it's it's not exactly the Marvel way, but he really puts in the effort while also allowing freedom for the artist to explore and do things in their own way. And so I think, you know, just researching and doing research into some of your favorite creators and seeing how they, you know, construct their stories is such an interesting way because what we see on the page is, is could be very different from what is laid out on the page, uh, on the script page. So I think that's definitely something that is a, a good avenue to explore. As for other resources, I found social media to be extremely interesting. I was not active on Twitter at all prior to releasing Eleutheromania, um, but I really found a community in these indie creators on there. And, you know, I've formed so many friendships and met so many collaborators on there. And I think there's a lot of, you know, good energy there. Like it's not competitive, it's not cutthroat, it's very inclusive and welcoming. And everybody really just wants to help each other and like uplift one another. And I think that's one of the most important resources that I've received is just the support from the from the indie community. Uh, what about you? Yeah, I think Twitter Twitter is sometimes a hellscape, but it's also one of the best places to connect with people. Um, I know my Twitter, I started like two or three years ago, but I wasn't really doing much on there. I really unfortunately got caught up in like the side of Twitter that's like the hustler lifestyle of like, I don't know, oh God. talking about like stocks and stuff. And I was, I don't know what I was thinking getting involved in that, but I think I was unsure about what my, I was doing with life and the direction I was going. But the indie comics community has really been great on Twitter. Um, I've met some of the best people on there. Um, I've met people I've worked with on there, like um, James and Tom and uh, Damon. And they just, are great people. It's so easy to talk to people and get help from others. Um, but also some of those people are like the best hype people for projects. I've seen people who will like just hype up your project, even though you might barely know them. I know Jared Lujan, um, I hope I'm saying his name right, 
he um he's a really awesome creator who has brought a spotlight to a lot of issues in indie comics and when my kickstarter was running we are right towards the end and he has a much bigger following than the three creators involved with uh three did and he shined a spotlight on our project got a lot of people to uh support us and follow it right towards the end and really helped us at our goal and i just think there are so many great people on there and it's so great to connect with people it's just so hard to avoid some of the not so great people on uh twitter that my your block list fills up once you're involved in the any comics community for a while you just start picking up on signs of people who aren't so great and just adding them to your ever-increasing block list i think i'm very well aware of who you're referring to and i also yeah. have that i have that massive block list and mute list as well yeah i know um i struggle with that i I tweeted out something um, about that group and uh, was heavily attacked on my page, but I got a ton of support from some great people in indie comics, like people who didn't even know me um, or had never followed me were coming on um, that tweet to help help me just deal with these people and get them off my page. So that's really actually how that's actually how I connected with you. Oh, okay. Because I know I had a lot of I, my following went up a lot after that tweet so i'm really glad that you saw that because i think i fought, found you right after you followed me on that because i was i was like checking all the accounts that were following me to make sure that no one was gonna be causing trouble on there so it's been great to um connect with so many new people that are willing to not put up with that crap absolutely and it's it's a it's a it's a tricky uh like it's a tricky place to navigate, but once you get the hang of it and you find the right people, they will really just welcome you with open arms and they will help you in any any way they can. They will hype you the hell up. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was really awesome talking to Anas. Your book has one of the most interesting art styles and most introspective stories I've seen in a long time. Um, I was really blown away by the style of it and how you really hit on something that so many of us struggle with. I really wish this book had been something I could have seen a long time ago when I was going through a lot of grief. And I think a lot of people really connect to it really well. Thank you so much. Oh my God. I'm like choking up. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and I really like, it was a pleasure talking to you and getting to know you better. And again, I, I, I read psychedelic like over and over. I absolutely loved the art style that you chose to go with the colors and the costume design is you know, amazing. And I would love to see the story of Hal and, you know, Harper continue. So I, I really look forward to seeing that and hope hope you'll be able to create lots of lots and lots more comics in the future. Thank you so much. Thank you to Anas and AJ for joining us for this discussion. Anas can be found on Twitter and Instagram at Anas underscore Abdullah and Eleutheromania can be read at Kofi.com slash Anas underscore Abdullah. AJ can be found on Twitter at Andrew Malacarney, and Psychedelic can be read at ko-fi.com slash Andrew Malacarney. Both their books are free to read, and I'll include links in the episode description. Special thanks to Matt Campbell for composing our music, and Jeff Harmatz for designing our logo. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Creators on Comics podcast. <laughs>